Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Well, Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. Going really well. we got trustee meeting next week. I'm leaving uh, on Friday morning, the day this drops. Uh, I'll be on my way to Ridgecrest for trustee meeting. Going to get a couple of good interviews there, I'm hoping. Uh, Jimmy Scroggins is going to be there. He's on our board, so I'm going to try to get some interview with Jimmy. And also uh, Gary Richardson, who's our trustee chairman, talking about uh, what it's like to be the chairman of the board of trustees. Very nice. Very nice. Um, that was always my favorite uh, trustee meeting was the one at Ridgecrest. Yeah, because you're in the mountains for a few days, and you know, yeah. we, we get to just get out of uh, Nashville for a little while, so it's, it's pretty nice. Right, right. Very fun. Yep. How are things at Southeastern? It's uh, about time to get going, huh? Yes, we had our first week of classes. Uh, convocation was this week, and uh, just kind of getting back in the routine, which is nice. It's always weird in our uh, in our little world, the Whitfield House, I guess, because Southeastern starts really gets going with the orientation two weeks before the kids start school. So we always feel like we're in this kind of slow slow start here for everyone, but, uh, but next week, the routine of fall is in full swing. All right. Well, let's jump into the news this week. Some sad news coming out of the International Mission Board this past week. Uh, Kyra Lynn Carr, an SBC missionary in Italy, uh, was back home stateside in Georgia and was killed in a traffic accident uh, when a tractor trailer came loose. Uh, it was basically parked on the side of the road, it sounds like, uh, based on the news reports. And the parking safety brake was not engaged. Uh, the truck began to roll without anyone driving it because the, um, the driver was out of the vehicle and basically was careening down the hillside unattended and slammed into Reed's car, killing her and um, trapping uh, one of her children or two of her children into the, in the car. Uh, the kids made it out okay, but she did not. Right. Yeah, this is really a horrible, horrible story. Um, hearing about it in the beginning, of course, it was really sad, but then just the more they came out, the tougher it was to, to, to take in. And, uh, this, this family, obviously they're, they were at the IMB very loved. Um, but then they had some, had spent some time at Southern seminary in Louisville so we had a lot of mutual friends. So th things started showing up kind of on my Facebook timeline, not just the story, but a lot of people who knew her. Yeah, personal and, connections. Right, right. And then we started to find out there were some personal connections with some people here. So I've heard just some tremendous things about this family. Uh, but this is just heartbreaking, just really heartbreaking and thinking about um, those little girls and what her husband is facing now. Uh, so just really tough and tough to realize that they were just about to go back. So um, I almost don't even know what to what to say about it. Yeah, other sad news this week, uh, it, really not specifically SPC, but uh, tied to us loosely. Danny Lotz, the husband of Ann Graham Lotz, son-in-law of Billy Graham, uh, passed away this week. He was found unresponsive in the family swimming pool on Monday. He was 78. Right. One one thing that's been interesting watching that 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 happened locally where where we are. He's a UNC grad. Played uh, basketball at UNC. Yes, and uh, I, I actually have a friend um, coworker who 
was that UNC really involved in FCA with the yeah, family? And they so, were big FCA fans. Right, right. So had the the Lots family had really influenced her. So I heard some wonderful things about him this week. Uh, but the the interesting thing is just because of the way this happened, it really hit the local news here. So it was beyond just kind of your standard um, circles of Southern Baptists or evangelicals passing it around on social media. It was, it was all over our news stations and on the web and everything. Uh, so that was actually an opportunity where his legacy was kind of played out in our community. And so, so his testimony and faith testimony was able to get, get a lot of press and everything because of this. Right, right. And even the the person that I was talking to who's really good friends of the family was noting that. And so that's kind of one side of this that his story is getting out more widely, at least in our area. Mm-hmm. On to some good news starting over in the seminaries and uh, we'll start in Fort Worth. Parliamentarian of the SBC annual meeting, Barry McCarty, who we've all known and love. He's now a Baptist. Yeah, and he's going to work at Southwestern. He is. This is this hit uh, last week, and of course, everyone um, everyone was reacting to it. For the everywhere. record, for the record, Amy, I called this about six weeks ago. You did. You did. You did not call it on the podcast publicly, no, but you did. Call I texted it. you. Yes. <laughs> so um, totally called this. But I think he is long seen and you you can see this in the story in the Christian index has long had an affinity for Southern Baptists, obviously has been doing this for so many years um, and had such a history with us that I think at the time when he had some decisions that he was making about ministry and moving forward, he knew us pretty well and just made that decision that he wanted to. He has a great uh, background in higher education. He was the president of a college in Cincinnati, I believe, years ago. Yeah, Cincinnati Uh, Christian University. Yeah, highly trained in uh, rhetoric and Mm -hmm. PhD from the University of Pittsburgh. Yep. So this is, he he, he comes with a lot of credentials for what he's going to do. So uh, his story is always interesting to me. He comes from a background that's a little similar to mine, uh, just from this background in the Stone Campbell movement, which I have a, a similar story. So a lot of the places where he had an impact were familiar to me. And so seeing him make, him make this transition has been interesting. So he's, I think, really excited. And I think Southwestern's very excited to have him. So he'll he'll be a real force on their campus. Yeah, we will have to ask uh, some questions to the administrators over the, the SBC just to see if this uh, his employment at an agency will affect his parliamentary duties. I, I don't think so right away, uh, but I, I think there probably will be a clarification coming down the road uh, because of that. So. Yeah, I yeah I saw I saw some interaction on social media that indicated that that it would continue, uh, but I'm sure that those questions will pop up. So it it this it'll just be different. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize this. He's logged 540 hours on the platform at the SBC. Wow, that's a lot. That's more than anybody. 29 than annual anybody. meetings, and yeah. and the story in the Christian Index is worth reading just for the picture of him and Jerry Vines from like 25 <laughs> years ago that it's like, that's Jerry Vines and who? 
Yeah. Uh, one, one interesting story that I, I loved hearing for the first time was that he, I believe it was Charles Stanley that hired him. I believe so. Brought, brought him in after. Yeah, yeah. 1986. Right. After there was a lawsuit that had been brought by uh, sort of the opposing side. And so they recognized they needed someone that at that time was a, from kind of neutral ground. And I want to say, I believe Charles Stanley called the uh, sort of the premier organization and said, who are your top three people who are excellent parliamentarians and understand church polity? And the leaders of that organization gave him three names. Uh, and he, I think Barry McCarty was at the, the number one, but then gave two and three. And what he did was he called numbers two and three and said, who would you recommend? And both of them said, McCarty's your guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that yeah, was I think so Barry told us that story a couple years ago at SBC. Yep. Yep. So we were in Houston. Yeah. So I, I think that's interesting. And a lot of people don't realize that his wife, Pat, uh, has worked at the North American Mission Board for several years. And so I did. I worked with her some uh, when I was at Lifeway with organized things mm-hmm. and together she's, and she's, she's actually worked at guidestone mm-hmm. and north american mission board and now he's worked at southwestern so they've they've yeah. got three entities in their family that they've worked at so yes you, well you i worked and, with her for you I and keith are tied now because you've worked right. at southern right, southeastern and, and lifeway yes well i worked with her for a long time before i even knew that uh she was connected with him so they're a great great uh, very nice couple I'm trying to think of others who have worked in administration roles at three seminaries. Ed Stetzer would be. He was at Southern NAM and Lifeway. Or three guess, entities. Yes. And right. I guess he's an adjunct professor at Southeastern or was at one time. So he's got four. So, ah. But. So he has his beat. Yeah. He's got you beat. So uh, I'm sure there's others out there. I know Dr. Patterson has been at both Southwestern and Southeastern as presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. I've what been at. I've been at two. I've been at two. Yes, you have. WMU you have and Lifeway. That's right. WMU and Lifeway. So hmm. there's there's probably others out there. So we'll have, sure. to, we'll have to put our brains together and see if we can come up with anybody that's got Ed beat. I'm sure I'm sure somebody out there has been at, at more than four. More than four. Yep. But four is a lot if you think about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving on. Some news from Southeastern as well. Yes, we uh, announced this today. We're recording this on Thursday. So uh, announced that the new director of the PhD program is Dr. Chuck Quarles. And uh, that was a, a really exciting thing to, to bring out today. So he, he's following in the footsteps of Dr. Heath Thomas, who we had just announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Covered that, that on last week's show. That's right, that he would be leaving to go to be the new dean of the School of Theology and Ministry at Oklahoma Baptist University. So he's been over our doctoral program for a few years now, and so now it will be Dr. Quarles. And uh, he's a very qualified individual, just an amazing scholar, a lot of administrative experience. But the thing that I find just most interesting and I'm most excited about as we see it play out, he is so loved on campus um, by the students. And it's really neat because he's only been at Southeastern for two years, but he just received this week, uh, the excellence in teaching award and which that, that really comes from the students and what they experience. And so he's made a huge impact on the campus in a really short time. So it'll be, uh, great to see that, 
and how it plays out in our doctoral program. Some other employment news, Kentucky's Sunrise Children's Services, which is the, uh, the children's home for the state of Kentucky and the Kentucky Baptist Convention, announced this week that Dale Suttles, who had been filling in in the interim role since December of 2013, is going to be the full-time president. Uh, he has been interim since uh, the previous administration had been uh, let go. Bill Smithwick um, had some falling out with the Kentucky Baptist Convention back in 2013 and had been uh, issued a vote of no confidence by the board. And the uh, board appointed Suttles as the interim president in December. And to this uh, week, they made that permanent. So Suttles is a native of Olive Hill, Kentucky. So he's a Kentucky guy, went to Moorhead State. He's a member at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, pastored by our good friend, Ron Edmondson. Saw Ron a couple weeks ago. So uh, congratulations to Dale Suttles on his appointment as the full-time and now permanent Kentucky Children's Services president. Making an official. That's great. All right. So this week, we wanted to take some time. There was a story that came out last week. We mentioned it in the podcast. Wanted to talk about the Great Commission resurgence after five years. Uh, but before we get to that, there were a couple of news items this week that came out of both Alabama and Texas related to, uh, I, I wouldn't say the fallout, but kind of the results of the Great Commission resurgence task force and what was passed in Orlando a few years ago. First off, in Alabama. So Alabama has announced that they are moving to a 53 47% uh, split in their cooperative program giving. That means they will keep 53% and pass 47% on to the executive committee uh, for distribution to the entities. Uh, they are moving at a gradual pace, uh, I think 1% a year. And over the next five years, they're going to uh, kind of keep increasing that. So uh, they are moving in the right direction based on the recommendations brought forth in the Great Commission Resurgence. Uh, we uh, commend them for that. Uh, that follows what we've talked about, Florida. We've talked about uh, Iowa that has just just went straight to a 50-50. Uh, we've we've even highlighted a, I think a couple more recently uh, states that have gone to increased passed on to the cooperative program at the executive committee level, uh, and then also Texas. Uh, Amy, some big news out of Texas regarding basically their surplus. Yeah, they've just they were already uh, I believe for forty five fifty five. Yeah, they they give more than they keep. Yeah, they, they give a ton, and then they just basically said, whatever we set as our budget, as soon as we make budget, everything else is going on. Yeah, so everything above the budget giving for 2016, and I would guess even going forward, uh, they are not going to keep that in the state or split it in evenly. They're just going to send on 100% of that to the SBC. Yep. So it's like you said, these these things ki- just continue to come out. States yep. are making these shifts. So uh, the I, momentum I actually, is there. The momentum is there. Uh, I, I'm not sure quite where the have we reached the tipping point. I don't I've lost count of all the different states. Uh, but I think the momentum is there that they're seeing other states, their solidarity and kind of doing this together. And so there's hope that it will just continue. And as we've pointed out uh, month after month, cooperative program giving across the board is up. So yeah, I don't, I mean, we can't say that there's, you know, causation doesn't always mean correlation, but or correlation doesn't always mean causation, but right. You know, states are giving more to the general CP fund and people are giving more to the CP through the churches. So, 
Right. And they're, you know, the, the projection, the things that they're expecting, we just keep staying just a, a little bit ahead. So. so let's talk about this Great Commission resurgence. So five years ago, I was sitting in a dark conference room at the WMU in Birmingham, Alabama, watching all this unfold live. Yes, on the I, video uh, and yes. it was kind of funny I was like the only one interested until they got to this vote and then the room like suddenly filled everybody was interested to see what would happen because uh, I'd been working in there all day on my laptop with it streaming on the, the wall I'd set it up just because I, w- I wanted to see what was going on and um, so I, you know they were like kind of making fun of me and then this vote came in every you know, discussion and everything for the Great Commission Task Force and, and Resurgence there. And, and then well, the rooms like fills up so it was kind of funny Yep. Well, I was in uh, I was in my office on the eighth floor of the Sullivan Tower at Lifeway. I had just started two months before, and oh, so wow. the, the yeah, so the plans had been set for the entire office to go except for me. So you were just so, chilling back at the at the house. I was huh? just chilling back there. I was sitting and uh and watching it online as well by myself. So uh, anyway, sometimes watching it online is actually better. You really see everything. You see what happens. Yeah. If you can't make it, you end up, um, I have, I think it was 2008 in Indianapolis. Um, Leah Finn and I watched it in my kitchen and in Waverly, Virginia and stuck the kids in front of a cartoon and sat there and watched this, you know, SBC annual meeting because we're nerds, but yes. Um, but that that year I watched it and remember even watching it online, it was very uh, powerful to see this thing happening. Yeah, the only problem with watching it online, you really don't get a sense of what the voting looks like because you, you can really not tell what's going on in the room. You can see everything great on the stage, but in the room, and that, that was a big, big room that year. That was 11,000 people. Um, it was. It you was, really but couldn't I, tell what was going on. But I remember watching the reaction of the faces on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was the watching Twitter was, too. When the when the vote was what it was. Now the year before establishing the task force in uh, 2009 in Louisville, that was a big vote too, and um, just to even do it, to even say we're going to approach this, mm-hmm. and um, and I was in that room, and that was a pretty phenomenal moment as well. So. Um, but yeah, in, in, in 2010. And so now it's been, it's been five years, which is kind of crazy yeah. to think, to think about it because it was such a big, it was such a big deal, but I, I think it is the right time to sort of step back and, and look, uh, this article that Baptist press did was really good. It was full of a lot of just information to take in, um, you know, that, that some people have mixed views on it. A lot of leaders say it's, you know, contributed to um, the uh, renewed focus that the decline has reversed. Other people say, well, the total dollar amount um, has has declined. I, I think we have to recognize some of the changes in our economy and just try to try to figure out where does that where does that play into things. I'm not I'm not completely sure. I'm not an economist. Um, so I don't I don't know how that affects the numbers, but you have a lot of quotes from from uh, Johnny Hunt, Frank Page, in this in this article, and they they really say they see this as a good thing um, that it's been a good five years with renewed involvement of people, what they're really caring about, uh, how our missions giving, our specific missions giving, 
um, you know, particularly Lottie Moon has had its two largest offerings in SBC history. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think I've, I really follow what they're, what they're saying. Definitely seeing people get reengaged. What do you think? It's hard to say because one of those things that, you know, people talk about, and even this article talks about, Hunt notes uh, in the article that the increase in NAM expenditures devoted to church planning went from 16.3% in 2010 to 48.4% last year. Uh, mm-hmm. And in this year, it's going to be 54% almost. But that's not really a, a fallout necessarily of the GCR. That's more of a, a, a difference in leadership and direction at NAM. Uh, and, you know, Kevin Ezell yeah. being at, at NAM and the GCR, there's probably some yeah, I was about ties to say, well, to there. There's got to be a link in that, just in some of the energies that people had, the focus that they had. I, I feel like there's a connection there, yeah. but it's well, harder. And one, of the, one, of the points, one of the points taken in, in it was that they should consider revising the NAM and IMB ministry assignments to facilitate a renewed focus on church planning in North America and IMB work among unreached people groups in North America. So that was part of it, and, and NAM has responded to that and done a lot. I mean, you can see, I mean, the church planning went from 16% to 54%. As such, you know, NAM has really focused on that, and we, we saw that with SEND a couple of weeks ago. And that's been very good for them and been very helpful. And it's one of those things, too. What would the decline be in the SBC and churches and membership and, and attendance had we not had this renewed We've focus? We've not done this. So, you know, yeah, five that's... years— we're we're just kind of starting to see the fruits of that because it it you know it really takes a long time to turn around an entity and and f- the focus of it over five years. Yeah, I think that's a fair question, um, and it's hard. I mean, you, obviously, we're working with a lot of numbers. We're working we're working with changes in the greater economy. How does that affect things? What you what we talked about about Nam that there's a link there. There's so many layers to this. Um, I think we also have to recognize that. We have a lot of organizations, a lot of structures. This is a very uh, large thing to move. Um, that's why. That's why when you see some of these motions uh, to to change CP allocation, you see it happening in increments because there are a lot of things you can't just do overnight. Um, and so we can look at it in five years and say, okay, how's it going? It, it assessments always help along the way, but it's we've got a quite a while to go before we can really look and see you know we have to we have to see where those lines go i think a lot of it has to do with the changes in leadership it seems like a lot of the entities and states these changes come about after changes in leadership uh, kentucky is mentioned in this article uh, and what paul chitwood has done in kentucky we we mentioned earlier what tim lubinus has done in iowa uh, the new executive director in Florida, Tommy Green, same thing. And, you know, we're seeing every time it seems that a you have a new entity head, a new state executive director, that's when the big changes are being made. They're making incrementally, like we mentioned earlier in Alabama, Rick Lance has been the executive director there for a while, and those are incremental changes. But uh, it, it seems like the the current administration's are not able to make those changes. It seems like the, the states are more receptive whenever you have that new leadership in there. So I think as we see more leaders change and we see more you know, retirements or more you know, people moving on from place to place, 
I think that's when we'll probably see a lot more of this. And, and it's kind of, we're probably in its infancy right now. And I think we'll see more as, as we see leadership change. I think as the leadership changes, so will the, the drastic changes to uh, the entities, like w- what we saw at, at NAM. I, I don't think that had Kevin Ezell been the president at NAM for 15 years prior to the GCR, there would have been a radical shift from 16% to 54% in just a couple of years in church planning funding. It, it would have probably right. taken a lot longer and a lot more incremental, but a new leadership is able to change it a lot quicker because, you know, people expect, you know, new blood, new ideas, new vision or whatever, whenever you have a new leader. Right. And I would, I would say that just everything that happened during that time of the task force being named and, and working, I think it just created a greater receptivity for yes. things to change. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I'm going at. I'm not saying that the entities that have had leaders and people that have been around for a while and are incrementally changing, they don't need to go out and just get rid of them to make that change happen overnight because that would just right. be, that would be anarchy and be just an absolute mess. But at the same time, I think you're right whenever you say that the new leadership gives that new receptivity. Um, right. So the the current guys that have been there for a while, it's it's taking time, but they're moving in that direction. We we talk about it almost every week, it seems, how one state or this state, and we mentioned Alabama today, how they're moving in that direction. Every state's moving yep. in that direction. Even before Tommy Green got to Florida, they were moving in that direction. He just kind of accelerated it. And the same thing with right. Tim Lubinus in Iowa. He just accelerated it. So Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so how, where we go, what we do, uh, I mean, we've still got days ahead. It remains to be seen. I think the task force did come together and tell, you know, really lead the way to say, Hey, it's okay for us to pursue big changes. And I think that's, I, I think that's significant. So it sort of opened everybody's minds up. We can do this. We can stand together and try to do the right yeah. thing. And I think you were right earlier saying that, I don't know if five years is long enough to be able to, to tell. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we'll look back on it maybe in, you know, 10 years and right. then we'll be able to see, cause I, you know, five years, I, and I don't know the answer to this. We'd have to ask somebody, but five years into the quote conservative resurgence, you know, in 1983, 84, do they really think that they were making any ground? I think they, they thought they were, but could you really see a lot of difference? I mean, think about the seminaries at that time, None of those leaderships had changed, uh, and right. very few of the entity level leaderships had changed. So, not really much had changed after five years of the conservative resurgence. It was years ten and fifteen and twenty that you really started to see that change. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, the historians are the ones who are telling us how that happened. We need to get Nathan Finn to to talk about this. I need to get a hold of Nathan. Yes, you should. About this. And he can promote his book. So. He'd be glad to do that, I'm sure. I bet. Speaking about promoting books, your resource of the week this week, Amy? My resource of the week is actually, I'm going to go a little unique uh, in a little unique direction here. Yeah, we have a friend in Nashville, Eric Peters. He's a singer-songwriter, but also does a lot in the visual arts. And um, he is launching a project for a book. Um, uh, it's a kind of a photo essay book and a companion album. And it's actually in the stages. We're big fans of Kickstarter. We love to support a lot of projects there. And so he launched his project on Kickstarter. So um, we're sort of early adopters, go and support. But you can just pre-order things on that. 
uh, so not have to to give a whole lot, but we are encouraging tons of people to go check it out. Yep, and you encouraged me to go to an Eric Peter show when I had first moved to Nashville. I, I went did. And saw him, and um, I think I even saw Andy Osinga yep. uh, that night as well. So mm-hmm. a couple other people. So really enjoyed it. And Jill Phillips yes. saw her that night. Um, yes. I know that she's one of your favorites too. So and you've yep. had Eric, you. you've had Eric do house shows at your house before. We have. We did a, a he did a house show at our house in Nashville, and he's come and done a house show here for uh, students and friends. So now, he's he's your favorite. He's your your big favorite musician. So I know that. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, he we we enjoy him a lot. Keith's done some reviews of his albums and things. So anyway, it's called Far Side of the Sea, and so that is my resource for the week. All right, my resource of the week is a bit self-serving, uh, just like yours, but uh, it's the uh, Tom Rainer podcast. So Rainer on Leadership, it's the other podcast that I run. Uh, we've seen some great reception to that over the last couple of years. We've done that for two years now. Yes, a little over two years now. Uh, and we, we've done 152 episodes of that thing. So it's just, uh, it's amazing to, to see how many episodes and how much we've done over the, the years and to see the downloads and, and, and the rankings that it winds up in, in iTunes, uh, repeatedly. So it's a great resource for pastors, for church staff, even laity, uh, just to find out, you know, about church growth, church structure, uh, you know, best practices, kind of things like that. So uh, a little different, not really as news-oriented as this one, uh, because this is a news and views podcast, but uh, it's just me and Dr. Rainer and an occasional guest, and uh, we have a lot of fun, and, and uh, if you're not listening to that, we encourage you to do that. That's Rainer on Leadership, and you can find the link to that and the Eric Peters Kickstarter album for Far Side of the Sea at SBC this week. That's going to do it for our show today. Amy, we'll have to do it again next week. That sounds good. I'm sure uh, right now I think what's there going to be and there will always be something. Well, there will so. be a firsthand report from trustee meeting for Lifeway Christian That's Resources. That's right. That's right. Very I'll be there. So. Yes. And you'll well, have to report on chapel from Southeastern. I, I know I you will. never miss chapel. Very rarely. Very rarely do I miss chapel. It's usually because I have somewhere I have to have to be. But uh, I will look forward to talking to you again next week and uh, seeing what's going on. All right. Thanks, Amy. We'll see you next week. See you next week.